people, my name is Michael. Hi everyone, my name is Yemisi. Hello everyone, and I am Tony. And welcome to the Untangled Podcast. Um, today, we will be talking about something interesting. Uh, something that we call the bastard child of racism. And with us today, we have a very, very special co-host. Uh, please introduce yourself, co-host. Hey guys, my name is Mark Sakereke. I'm a media entrepreneur. I'm a creator, a writer, and podcaster. And uh, it's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for joining on us on this conversation. Um, if you missed the live conversation um, this past Sunday, we had the live conversation on Instagram and the video is up on the platform. So please, you can join in on that conversation or you can log in on that conversation and listen in. So today we will be talking about colorism. But before we talk about colorism, how is everyone doing? How are we feeling? Tonya? I'm good. I'm feeling good. Um, it's just a little bit chilly here going into winter. Um, so keeping warm. Really had a nice, lovely Sunday. Haven't had much to do. Been watching some interesting series on Netflix slash BBC. Um, and then tuned into the conversation today in colorism. And I'm pumped to hear more and to give you guys my views. So yeah, let's do this. EMC. Hey, I'm doing okay. Um, I got a good solid eight hours of sleep. That's a blessing. Um, also, based on um, Max's Instagram recommendation, I was watching Jingle Jangle yesterday. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes, it was actually quite interesting. And I like how it ties into our topic for today because we are beginning to see a lot of African elements and um, right. celebration of color, celebration of our hair in most of these yeah. Hollywood movies. And it is quite interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Marx, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm blessed. Thank God. You know, adjusting with the weather changing right now. And, uh, Thank you guys for having me. It's a beautiful Sunday and uh, the sun is not out today. Just a little bit, a glimpse of it, but yeah, it, it's fun over here. So thank you. I guess. <laughs> I feel good. <clears throat> I guess um, for we are, we are approaching that season, you know, Christmas season and Christmas means so many things to different people. Um, yeah. But a lot of people just mm -hmm. think of Christmas as, you know, um, a lot of people in the Western world and um, mm -hmm. think of Christmas as um, that season that comes with cold, that comes with snow. Right. <clears throat> Are you guys... Game of Thrones. Yeah, Game winter of Thrones is kind of winter. I love oh, winter, though. I love it. It's such a winter year. Yeah, I think I prefer the cold to to summer. I love I, lo I love winter. I love the whole you know Game of Thrones feeling where there's no sun. It's just like you know cloudy type of atmosphere. <laughs> Look at Tony. What's going through? Tony is like. <laughs> Tony is like. What's wrong with these people? What's wrong I with these people? I'm like, yeah, I need my sun. I I love my temperate weather. Son, 
I, lo- oh, okay. I love temperate weather. I don't like it when it's too hot or when it's too cold. Um, when it's too cold, yeah. Uh, winter here is considered as, as a depressive sort of time for most people here oh. because it's dark when you wake up and it's it's dark when you're going to bed as well. So it's when just, bed, you know, right. the mood is just not bright at all. Um, right. Interestingly, we're talking about colorism today and sort of dark, darkness and, and <laughs> <laughs> how, how black, black things exactly. like that. So I feel like this should usher us into that conversation because during the live show we talked about how light is usually uh, connoted with things that are good and then dark is usually things that are bad. And in the comment section somebody was talking about how the in terms of the in color how we've stereotyped certain colors and how we've um, attached certain meanings and certain words to certain colors, mostly in the negative aspects, like the black sheep, like black listing, like um, black whatever. So it's usually like the dark and the blacker you are or the darker something is, is, is more towards the negative end of the spectrum than towards the positive. So it's interesting that you say that because I mean, why did you choose those words? Why did you choose to describe this, that season that a lot of people feel like is a season where a lot of people get sad? Why did you choose to, uh, to describe it as light and because it's dark, that means it's evil or that means it's gloomy? Why? Well, I don't know if I chose it particularly. I think it's how it's generally described um, and for, for me to be able to communicate to others, um, I need to be able to talk in the words that they understand. So um, when, when, when it's dark at night, it's, 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 we, we, we communicate as saying that it's dark. Uh, when you wake up here in winter, it's, there's no sun. It's not bright at all. Um, <clears throat> as opposed to when you wake up in the summer. Um, and I think it's how that has now, you know, changed into sort of using that as a metaphor for other things for skin colors i think that that is the real issue here when you start saying um you know associating that darkness with something that is bad um when when it comes to sort of a personal a person's skin color a person's identity what a person stands for things about the person that they cannot change um mm. things about them that they are physically born with i think that's when you start having a problem if we're explaining if we're describing things like the weather and things like you know what you like within the weather that's absolutely fine we must communicate in a language that is common to us um you know max says he loves the winter um i think he also says she loves the winter and she loves that sort of mood when max says he loves it when it's cloudy game of thrones sort of you know that kind of setting and that's amazing you know people have to be able to express themselves and love whatever they love in that setting um i love it when it's temperate and, and it's not too hot and when it's not too cloudy just a, a nice you know medium weather but it's when you start associating those kind of uh, the the negative effects of things that people don't like about certain things with their skin color or with, with physical um, formalities that they can't change in their in their their being that's when we have a that's when we have a problem I think that's mm. the issue with colorism here. So when you were talking, I was just thinking to myself, how about we, if I were to, I started flipping the narrative or flipping the perspective when it comes to light or when it comes to darkness. <clears throat> um, because 
what we understand, most of the evil things, even biblically, we, they talk about darkness, that darkness will not, um, that the morning light will come, however the quote goes, and that darkness will not endure forever. And dark season, dark seasons are usually seen as seasons of, you know, seasons of, um, seasons of failure, seasons of, um, of stagnation, and all sorts of negative um, connotations can be ascribed to um, darkness and dark. But I'm also on the flip side, I'm saying, let's, if I were to flip this perspective, for instance, when it's dark, everybody gets to rest. How about we describe it as a period where we rest, a period where we get refreshed and rejuvenated, a period for growth of the plants. I have a lot of plants and plants, buddy, as you guys know. The plants, they get all of this sun and daytime, but it's at night that they grow. It's at night that they, you know, so how about darkness and dark, maybe it's a season for us to hibernate and come out again to the world refreshed. So, but we never seem to see it from that aspect or from that perspective. We never seem to see it because we've always all been programmed to think that light and <clears throat> light is life. And that has seeped into our subconscious even if when we don't want to describe certain things in a particular way, it's almost as you using the N word, just because the people around you are using the N word. If you're uncomfortable with using the N word, you will communicate and still pass your message without using the N word. So I feel like why you said it is, it's subconsciously a part of who we are because of how we've been programmed, the social conditioning of how to see darkness in life. But let's come back to this, our conversation colorism because we talked about colorism. Marx, you defined what colorism was um, or is on the show. Um, you gave us like a, um, a definition that you read up somewhere or that you were reading up somewhere, but you did not give us your own personal definition. How would you define colorism? Oh yeah, I'll, just, I'll you know, uh, personally describe colorism as you know uh, a form of discrimination based on your shade of color your skin tone yeah okay that's, that's how we that's yeah that's how we define it you know and then also sorry to <clears throat> I just want to like you know um, uh, expand on what you said about darkness I, I really like that you know that angle you gave and it's important to know that there is no light without darkness. Darkness is actually very, very important, all right? Like we, there is no motivation without, you know, um, uh, being in it with your back, without your back against the wall. You have to be down, very down before something can, good can come out of it, you know? So darkness actually produces something good. At the end of the day, we sleep at night, the same night where the body grows and produces cell and have to do a lot of work and everything and get us prepared for light, which is the day. You see that? So yeah, so back to the whole whatever. My, my definition is basically discrimination based on your shade of color, colorism. Thank you for that definition and thank you for, you know, adding to, that perspective. So if you're listening to this podcast, I want you to um, see darkness and see dark times in a different light. Yeah. 
Um, so my next question, Yems, I would, can you identify three examples of colorism? Can you give us three examples of colorism? Uh, would you mind elaborating the question? Uh, <clears throat> examples in how it plays out or? It could, yeah, how it plays out. It could be in the media, in your personal life, in terms of education, in terms of employment. Um, mm. Just three examples of how it plays out or how it has played out in the past. However, you want to tackle this, however, perspective, whether you want to do it to the present day, the past, because we covered a, um, a, a lot so of points in the. On the yeah, yeah. So let's, yeah. Yeah, you did. I mean, um, both of you did an amazing job on the live show and um, you really, really expanded on it right from the point of slavery, um, how. Um, light-skinned slaves were treated better than the darker-skinned slaves, um, how they were um, allowed to do the house jobs, they were sort of domesticated um, against um, the people who were, who were darker. We also see how it plays out, in, uh, plays out in the media. I made a comment about how for such a long time in Nollywood, um, your only criteria for showing your talent as an actor or actress was the fact that you're a mixed race or you're light-skinned. I'm sure that some of us who watch some of those movies can attest to the fact that there were a lot of people who were just mixed race and honestly could not act to save their lives. Mm -hmm. um, but it was basically about the color of their skin and what people perceive as attractive, which is a lighter skin color. So we can go on and on. Max made a point about uh, music videos. Um, we see the girls they use for the music videos, light skin. It shows everywhere. It shows, I, I made a comment about babies as well. Uh, if you are, if you have this, if you have internalized colorism and it has caused some sort of implicit bias in you, you automatically reach out for a light skinned baby who has curly hair than you know, to call, to cuddle and play with this is a cute baby rather than reaching out for a darker skinned baby. That's deep. These are things, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, so these are things that, you know, happen literally every day. In fact, it happens with the kind of people you're attracted to in a, uh, what, sexual or romantic relationship, mm. right? Some of us don't even check that to know, is this what I'm really attracted to or is this what society has programmed me to be attracted to hmm. based on colorism? So those are some of those ways in which they, you know, they, it plays out. I'm sure there are a lot more deeper ways, some that we're conscious of and some that we're not. But yeah, it's, it's, it's everywhere. So you, um, I'm going to come to you now. Um... Yemisi, yeah, thank you so much for giving that example. That one about the baby, it's something that I've never thought of before. Oh. Like the way that people reach out to babies. And I'm just, as you were saying it, I was thinking, I was thinking about all the instances or scenarios that I've seen, you know, people reach out to babies and how people call certain babies ugly because maybe they are darker. Um, they are darker. How people, you know, there was a time that, um, this is a terrible example, by the way, but there was a time that I believe that they ridiculed Blue Ivory for the way that she looked. Um, so that's really, that's why I was like, it's really deep. But Tony, I want to come to you um, uh, for a moment. So we are talking, why is this topic important? 
Because in today's society, I really believe that um, skin color has become, just like race, a major signifier of a person's identity and value. So the same way that racism is a conversation that we are presently having, um, when it comes to colorism, why is this particular conversation important? Cool. Um, I think I'll start from some of the things that you guys mentioned on the show, which I thought was important here. Um, a couple of points. I think psychologically, it's important. Yems has touched on that today as well. Um, I think knowledge, being able to sort of include, in, improve the level of knowledge that we have as, a, as an individual and as a society and the level of information that we have. We know a lot about what's happened in our history and we're using that sort of information to now determine a new path for us going forward. And we're seeing how that our history and legacy of our history has changed society to advantage some and to disadvantage others. Um, so knowledge and information sharing is another reason why this conversation is important. Um, intentionality something that Max mentioned as well, being intentional with your choices, being intentional and being focused with the, the decisions you make in your life, rather than just doing things that are subconscious, subconsciously um, you've been programmed to do, sort of reaching out for a, a lighter skinned baby <laughs> just because you've been you know, programmed to do that rather than being intentional as to, oh, I want to reach out for this child or I want to do this. This is what I want to do. This is who I like. This is what I think about beauty and stuff. Identity, you mentioned that, Mike. It's really important. Another one, um, from that, that's in, in terms, that, that is the fundamental um, of, of our makeup. Um, so I think this conversation is really, really important for purposes of identity. Um, and then generally, you know, you've, we talked about, you know, being, just being intelligent, just being human beings that continue to develop we talked about the word dark and we talked about um, how we only think about the, the negative connotations of the word dark. The word dark in itself is not a negative word. The word black is not a negative word. It's the not. word, whatever word it is, they're not negative. They are just mm -hmm. words. Um, and then we put some certain emphasis on those words. Right. Assigned uh, meanings. There you go, assigned meanings. And it's that meaning that we need to continually reevaluate because you know, no one, sometimes we go on to things that we don't know what the meanings are. These meanings have been passed on to us by other people. And I can, I can define a word today for, for meanings that are just for my purposes, for meanings that will give me advantage in every way I go. So if I start, if I put a word, if I get the, the opportunity and the access to put a word in the Oxford Dictionary, and I put that word there with a certain meaning because I know that this, is, this meaning will give me advantage in many, in many areas, um, whoever comes after me that uses that word is, is sub, sub, subscribing to my advantage without actually knowing you know, why they are using that word and what the meaning is. So it's reevaluating re those things. And I think that's why this conversation is important. We are reevaluating the word colorism, what it means, what it means when people discriminate against people of, of a darker shade, what it means to be of a darker shade. You talked about it, Mike, you know, the, the, the benefits of, of darkness. Um, and, and black for me is, is elegance, you know, but you don't really hear the elegance of, of black very much. You hear other things about it. So we need to redefine that meaning because it means something to us and it's important to us um, that we re redefine what it means to be black. <clears throat> and it's, uh, sorry to add to, add to what Tony said, I still have uh, a couple of white people, just a few friends of mine who admire the black skin so much that during summer, 
they try as much as possible to you know turn up like really just because they want to have that melanin thing there's quite you know and that represents you know a number of white people who also really admire us for you see i'm saying this because like tony said life and words is at the end of the day is what you make of it it's just exactly what you make of it that's the reason why i might hold you when the media pushes the narrative of how beauty or whatever is supposed to look like we then as a people subscribe to it making it the standard of beauty that's why i said i don't believe that there's a standard of beauty i believe it's just the narrative that people you know are subscribing to and imbibing to i say okay this is the standard and this is how I want to. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> Max, we could have this debate. Um, we could have this no. debate. <laughs> we have like pageants. We have beauty pageants. We have okay. the most beautiful people in the world. We have right. things that, that have really set the standard. Things that in terms of the most successful people, but I'm going mm -hmm. to come to, um, there's something I'm going to, um, the question, I actually want to direct that question to Toyin at some point. But to you, my question to you right now, you said something about, you know, having um, Caucasian friends that are, admire the um, dark skin and, you know, they want to tan and all of that. So my question to you now is, um, have you ever um, been favored because you are, you guys can't see Marx. Marx and myself, we are extremely light, or let me not say extremely, we are light-skinned, kind of. So have you been favored? Have you um, enjoyed that privilege? And how did that play out? Did it occur to you that this privilege that I'm enjoying, it, another person doesn't enjoy this privilege? Or how did that play out for you? How did that make you feel? What are your thoughts towards it, if it ever happened? Yes, are Mark. you speaking to me? Oh, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, um, I, I would say yes. I've enjoyed privileges that were not thrown in my face, but I know deep down inside of me that oh, it's probably because of how I look. That's the reason why I was selected for this role. You understand, you know. So, um, uh, it wasn't it wasn't played out in my face, but I, I but I just I have that you know that intuition. To know that, oh, okay, it's it, it's it's cause of that, you know. So I'm uh, but I think I've had I've had that like maybe once or twice, but apart from that, I don't think I've you know had a wealth of experiences like, you know, as much as uh, darker skin or you know uh, women or others will have. Yeah, mm. I have actually you know enjoyed. That type of privilege once or twice, but it wasn't thrown up in my face. But I know it with my intuition. Like, do you think you have enjoyed that privilege? Myself? Yes. Yes, a lot. I've enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah, I've enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> and it's also an interesting conversation because, on the flip side, um, where I grew up, it wasn't always cool to be of a lighter color. I was bullied because of the color of my eyes. I was bullied because of the color of my skin. I was called yellow for poor. I was mocked and laughed at. So it's on, I know that we are talking about the lighter skin, but it can also be the other way around. It can mm -hmm. also be dark people 
really people of a darker color. It's rarely so, but it is possible right. to also be the other way around. Just like racism is rarely the other side, but it's mostly black people being, um, white people being racist towards black people. But it can right. also happen on the other side, on the flip side of the coin. Of course. So, um, so yes. Uh, <laughs> and let, let me say something funny though. My, my last relationship or whatever, it was because I was light-skinned. That's why, you know, she dated me. <laughs> she loves light-skinned guys. <laughs> And she say she says it all the time, you know, always admiring my, you know, seeing the way I look, everything. But in my head, I'm like, what the fuck? Sorry. No, you're <laughs> I'm good. like, you know, what's going on? Yeah. So yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but isn't that just a isn't that just a personal preference, though? Uh, I'm a, uh, I mean, we talked about that during the live. You know, some men want to marry light-skinned women. Why do men want to marry light-skinned women? It's because of the, the things that they've been watching on TV. You understand? It's because of, by the time you start watching movies, music videos and everything, and then the desires like, you know, wells up inside of you. Oh my God, I'd like to get with a light-skinned woman or a white woman, you know? So I feel like, uh, I, I don't think, it, it, it is part of the conversation, individual or a group of desire or whatever, even individual, it is part of the conversation. Why do you want the things that you want? Where is your desire desire rooted from? Where does it come from? What inspires it? That's the point. You see that? That's just the, just like I said, I basically wanted to, you know, marry a white woman because I have a lot of cousins who are biracial, you know, I just want my kids to look like them. You see that? That was, that was an intent, that was, sorry, that was a, um, a desire coming from somewhere, you know? Yeah. Mm. Mm. So yeah, um, so researchers have linked um, colorism to smaller income, um, to smaller income. Tonya, so, yeah, you wanted to say something before I call you, Sorry. Don't worry. Let Mike land. Oh yeah. So uh, during the live show, I was reading. So I was. Um, I read some uh, stats during the live show about how our lighter skinned people or men are more likely to get a job um, with a bachelor's degree compared to darker skinned men with a, uh, with, a, um, with a master's degree. And also in terms of the incarceration rates, in terms of the jail sentence rates, uh, death penalty rates um, across the world, in India, in Brazil, so in Brazil, they, they, 63% of the darker skinned people are, are, um, make up the poorest uh, sector in the country as compared to the lighter skinned people. So now my question is linked to this. Since research have linked um, smaller income and low marriage rates, longer prison terms and fewer jobs for are darker skinned people. What are some of the things that we need to do to change this? I think we need to um, propagate better ideas. We need to propagate better um, a world that is more inclusive and more diverse. It means to propagate the ideas of, of um, and the benefits that come with that, um, the benefits that come with having 
uh, and the beauty that comes with having, you know, a, a, a dark person or a black person or whatever shade of skin you are in, in high performing roles um, and that human beings should not be judged by whatever shade of color they are. Um, I think we've been saying a lot that this is the bastard grandchild or bastard child of um, racism. And it's exactly that same argument that we're having on a, on a global scale with racism that we need to be having in local communities, in our smaller communities about, you know, what what right. it means to be, you know, discriminating about uh, someone based on, on the color of their skin. Um, Mike, uh, I think Mark said something really interesting about where, where your desire is rooted from. Um, and that is really what we need to be challenging in terms of when we speak to people. I think that this podcast does a lot in terms of, you know, anyone who's listening to this can yeah. reflect on, on where their desires are rooted from. Um, what is the reason why you like uh, only date someone with, with a light skin? What is the reason why you, you, you would take away maybe, I don't know, 70% of the rest of the world and focus your, your love and attraction to only 30% of, of this world. Um, and just like, just examine where that desire is rooted from. Like now nah, I'm, I'm not in any place to, 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 this, to choose for someone what they, what they decide in their life. Um, but uh, the question does need to be asked, you know, what is that desire rooted from? And if you feel like answering that question, you should reflect on it um, and, and see if it conflicts any of your other ideas about racism, because you can't stand for one thing and not stand for the other. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what does that make you? A dog-headed hypocrite. But let's forget that conversation. Um, it's about it's about people reflecting, um, and and that's yeah. what, and I think that's what we can do to change this. Um, I don't think we can do any other thing. Um, because it's really internalized and it's really psychologically, as we you know, talked about the points, really psychological on one level. Um, and, and it's about, you know, having conversations that make people reflect, putting things in the media that make people reflect, having shows. I don't know. We, you know, we all watch a lot of shows. We are all influenced by things. You know, we were influenced by our politics. We're influenced by, by our leaders. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, things that are on a global scale that, 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 are, that are mass media that are mass eat that, that can are consumed by people on a mass scale need to um espouse the benefits of diversity and inclusion um, mm. thank you for that um i really like what you all the points that you made um and you spoke a bit about media so we're going to talk about media in a bit um so um, uh, Marx, I know you said something about the role of media during the live show. You said something about what the media has done so far, the changes that are being, that are presently ongoing. Do you believe that the media, especially the Western media, is doing enough? Do you think that where we are now with, you know, blackness and black skin and, you know, black beauty being celebrated, do you think that it is enough? Um, do you think that we still have this problem that we need to double down on it? What's your take in terms of the media? Because you kind of like blamed the media. We all kind of, obviously, we know the role that the media has played. So now do you think that they are doing this wrong that they've enabled for so long? Do you think that the effort is being, the effort that is being made or that is being put out there is enough? Uh, well, it is It is not enough. Uh, I wouldn't say it's enough, um, uh, but however, I want to move forward as an individual and celebrate the, the fact that it has begun, you know? 
whatever the reason why we're experiencing this thing at this time, I don't care, you know, but I just want to focus on the fact that we're here and it has already started, you know. Um, uh, Yemisi was talking about the Jingle Jangle movie. I recommend you guys watch it. It's so beautiful. Like I was smiling like a little kid, you know, just I, I, I didn't know how beautiful our melody is, you know, until I watched that movie, you know, the celebration, the color, the lushness, everything. And I'm like, wow, just imagine the global media, like, it, it, you know, it's projecting something like this 80%. You can imagine how the narrative and the shift will just, you know, happen in a split second. But then I don't think we'll be able to reach that mark because you have the white people who would always want to reinstate their position on the you know, racial hierarchy. That's why I don't believe that racism is going anywhere. It is here to stay. It can be minimized. It's like sugar. Or it's like, you know, I don't know. Like, minimized, but it's just not going anywhere. Humans look different from each other. There would always be a clamor of authority, of control and all of that, you know, just the way you have different countries trying to, you know, clamor for world power. America will come, Europe will come, Russia will come, you know, China will come. And now everything is all about control, even about, even religion too. You know, the Bible says, go into the world and preach the gospel until then Jesus will come. So it is about control. Christianity is clamoring for religion and, you know, to control the race of humans. I'm sure Hindu is doing the same thing. I'm sure one of that religions somewhere, like everything, the whole thing is all about who is going to be at the top of the hierarchy, you know? So I feel like uh, the media is not doing enough, but I, I like the fact that the conversation has started. So I just want to move forward with the fact that we're here now and it can do something, at least. Um, thank you for, thank you for that. Um, they are <laughs> yes, they are not doing enough. You said it. So they what more can enough. I say? Um, Yems, so I'm going to come, let's talk a bit about um, the skincare industry. Let's talk about bleaching creams and things like that. Um, I know we don't have uh, um, much time left on the show. We need to wrap up. So let's try and keep our points very brief. Um, the bleaching cream industry, what are your general thoughts? Because 80% of, according to research, 80% of Nigerian women um, use products that can either bleach, tone, brighten. There are different lingos to this whole um, bleaching thing. I'm just going to call it bleaching. There are different, <laughs> yeah, there are different lingos to it. Or this whole- Toning. 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 <laughs> so 80% are used to um, one of those products and it's a million dollar industry. So my question now is, what are your general thoughts in terms of bleaching, in terms of body modifications? Because we can liken bleaching to body modification and people should be allowed to do whatever the F they want to do with their bodies. So mm -hmm. <laughs> in light with the conversation today 
or in line with the conversation today. What are your thoughts on, on that? Yes, I mean, I mean, I like that we've come back to the bleaching industry because it can play in two ways. Um, you, it can play in what your body image is, uh, what you consider the standards of uh, beauty to be. Marx actually made a very valid point about what the narrative is on in the media and that have, how that plays into your subconscious to make you feel like um, beauty is a lighter skin. And for that reason, you would want to bleach your skin to appear lighter so that you can be more attractive and then you can actually get some things easier than the darker skinned people. Just like we've established that there's a level of privilege that you get when you're a little light skinned, especially in a country where they are predominantly darker skinned. Now the bleaching, uh, when, you, when you experience that kind of um, social bullying based on your skin shade on a on a country scale, on a continent scale, because I know that we have these arguments with where Nigerians, you know, cuss out other, or some some countries actually in the in, um, interact <laughs> and then they cuss each other and say, "See as you black, you know." And Yoruba people say, "Yoruba people say, oh, do do be coroishing." That's like there's a fruit actually. The in the seed in the fruit is very, very, very dark. So when they want to refer yeah. to a very dark person, they refer to that. Now, there are songs that I've talked about light-skinned people, Kupa, you know, light-skinned. Yeah. Those things, the narrative plays into this thing called bleaching. Now, bleaching, toning, fading, I still think, first of all, it depends on your intentions, number one. Number two, it depends on what your level of consciousness is in terms of what, first of all, the damages that this causes on your skin and why you are actually really modifying your body. Now, I know that Tony was saying something about how it links to your identity, but I think any other type of body modification also still links to your identity. We can spin this off into your hair, keeping your natural hair. We can spin this off into, you know, wearing fake nails. We can spin this off into, somebody said, men to do... <laughs> Men to do, <laughs> men do so. Somebody, so yeah, there is a fight. <laughs> you know, men to do some body modification, they fix their yeah. butts and everything. So it's it's really an individual's choice. Right. But when yeah. it's done on such a large scale, because Michael said it's a billion dollar industry, now you are beginning to see this is a pandemic. It's not necessarily just one person deciding to look lighter and that's what their preference is. It is what is our mental conditioning towards what the beauty standard should be. So it's a scale that I think we need to really, really deal with on an individual right. level. Right. Um, and it should be a question of choice. Now I noticed something recently, I think I went to Walmart or Target. I realized that they don't stock um, relaxers on their shelves anymore. This is completely different. Yeah. So. And I know that there have been some backlash about, you know, women of color saying, why are you selling all these chemicals? You know, they're destroying our hairs. But you see the arguments for and against. Some people are like, okay, my hair is very coarse and strong. I really need this stuff. I really want to put down my hair. While some other women are like, no, it's, you know, they are kind of shaming them. It's like vegan shaming too. <laughs> Where they're like, you know, we shouldn't be doing this. So it's a question of choice. Do you want to look lighter? Do you want to look darker? But when it's on that kind of large scale, 
then you should realize that we have a big problem. And this is no longer about beauty. This is about your self-concept. Yeah, BC, um, uh, you know that if you come to, if you live uh, 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 at the north, where you have winter and everything for a very long time, you know you have a tendency to almost be as light as I am, right? The weather yes. definitely will fade you. So, um, uh, <laughs> yes, you know people actually are, think I bleach when it is colder. It's very when it's funny. colder, so that's it. So if we are going to demonize bleaching cream and all of that, we're we also going to demonize the weather, the winter that actually you know makes you look like fresh tomatoes. You, you know, when you people know. make this argument, let's even link it to plastic surgery. When people make this argument, okay. they say things like, oh, you should be you should be comfortable with whatever it is that you were given right from birth. Now, people were, that were born with maybe a cleft chin, right? They, right. they do plastic surgery to fix that. To fix do that we thing. have that same argument, you know, with people like that? I know it's not on the same scale, right? But if you right. really think about it, it's still modification. Okay. Yes, it is. Toyin wants to say something. <laughs> <laughs> Toyin is ready to fight. I want to say a few things. Um, okay. I, I think um, you know you've you've helped me sort of look at it in a very different angle as well. Um, with some of the things that you said, um, you're allowed to enhance your your body and allowed to enhance different parts of your body to, to make you look bit more beautiful. Um, and that is generally acceptable in our society. Um, I have a fundamental problem with bleaching because of the legacy of things that have come in the past. Um, and I think, um, you know, 90% of people who bleach their skin are helping to propagate that legacy. If there was not that legacy behind, and if we are not carrying that baggage behind us, then I probably wouldn't have a problem with bleaching. Um, but because we're carrying that baggage, it seems to me that um, even people of my own race um, are helping to, to stamp propagate. that narrative when they bleach. Mm. Yeah, helping to propagate that narrative when they bleach. Um, you know, we, look, we all have our views of what Michael Jackson did or did not do and how he was viewed in the media. And probably another you know, exemplar, exemplar that we should use in this conversation about what people think about Michael Jackson and the truths about what, what happened to his skin. Um, and you're right in, you know, what about the weather? The weather does a lot of things. Um, people who, who are born in, in, in colder template, uh, climates are, are much lighter in skin color. Um, but that that is regarded as unhealthy because the melanin in, in our skin for people who are born in, in warmer temperatures is, is regarded as something that gives us, helps us avoid things like skin cancer. Lots of people who are born in, in cold climates um, suffer with much more cancer than, than Africans. Um, uh, and, you know, when, whenever they go underneath the sun, then they, they have to they have to use what they, what you call um, skin lotions to avoid um, the sun giving them cancer. Sunscreen. Sunscreen, exactly, to avoid the sun giving them cancer. When they, they can't really enjoy a holiday without using sunscreen or going underneath the shade. But meanwhile, we were born with that. We have so much melanin that protects our skin from giving us cancer. So there is that as well. Um, and for people who are trying to change their skin color, I think it's a much more fundamental thing. If you're trying to change who you are and where you're from and, and, what, and what you look like, because those are the things that help me identify you, then, you know, that's, that's a, a, a philosophy that you have to be able to be 
explain or, or be accountable for as a person because if I lose, you know, if, if, if other people cannot identify you, I mean, it's up to you how you want to identify yourself. But if other people can't identify where you are from, what you do, you know, where you come from and, and how you look, um, then you've got to be able to, to, to explain why you're changing that entire identity. As we had problems with understanding why Michael Jackson's skin changed. Hmm. Right. So you're saying that um, for bleaching further um, enables that whole white supremacy narrative. And because so, Michael. We want you to go and change your 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 eyeballs, your retina. Please bleach it back to black, please. All right. <laughs> we're, we're not comfortable with that, Michael. Please stop intimidating us. Uh, this is natural. So. <laughs> so, so, change that no, thing. But, no, but for real though, if, if somebody were to cast you in a movie now and you showed up with the color of your eyes. You're not going to say in the movie, oh, my God, this is natural. Please do not follow this trend. Don't mind him. (laughs) (laughs) You see, the color of the eyes, I don't know. Is that that something that, that's not something that we pay, we pay so much attention Attention to. to, It didn't come from sort of a history of, well, maybe I don't know, but I don't think it has so much. Okay, so your argument is what it represents and what it reinforces. And that's the reason why it's from the history of slavery and supremacy of, of of a race. Uh, and I think the, the, uh, for me, it's, mm-hmm. most people change their skin color because they want to be acceptable or they want to move um, between different classes of society. Um, and if all of us change our skin color, then what happens? You know, what happens? If, if you know, this person does that person does, and and that's what we continue to accept. Then at one point, all of us will change our skin color because everybody will want to be accepted. You know, nobody will want to to be left at the bottom of society. Um, uh, it's, so a lot, we, it's, we it's a lot. It's a lot of variations. Sorry, Max. Mm-hmm. Let me just finish this. We have a responsibility oh, sorry, sorry, to sorry. challenge that. We have a responsibility to stand up against that. Um, of what what that means. We have a responsibility to say, you know, this is what we are. Um, there's nothing wrong with what we are. Um, and we have a responsibility to, to find the to find the, the benefits and the good things about what we are. Like you know, Max and Mike uh, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, and use those things to change the narrative. Um, there you go. A lot of people, really- a lot of, a, a lot of people are having, you know, this uh, contact lenses as well. So we didn't even mention the contact lenses, you know. <laughs> no, I think we're gonna do that in the episode on uh, body image. I'm very sure. We're oh, gonna oh, oh, okay, okay, that's like, another topic. Oh, okay, like okay, hair okay. or doing a Brazilian BBL. Oh, okay, and okay, all okay, of that okay, exciting okay, stuff. Okay. But okay. um, ge- colorism in general, I I really think that um you know, that level of prejudice for that divides us as a race. And I think it makes it harder for us to fight the bigger demon, which is racism. So that is what I really take away from colorism. And that's the reason why I would continue to speak on it. And that's why I was excited about this topic for today, because um, I, I think generally we all perceive, we perceive our race as being further divided within ourselves. And it's a little hard for you to say, okay, there's no superior, there's no white supremacy, you know, we should all be equal, you know, black people deserve equal opportunities. It's difficult for you to say that when within your race, you are still, you know, dividing yourselves and, you know, you have experienced all this prejudice against the shade that you are even within your race. So that's my biggest takeaway from colorism. Uh, yeah, Missy, do you know that uh, a lot of this, uh, oh, okay, sorry, uh, let me just make this point out quickly. Um, um, these uh, bleaching companies make more money in Africa than the Western world 
you, you can confirm that yeah, because we yes. don't even have these products we don't have these products in the us it, it's very hard for you to yes. find these products all of these products in the us i don't know how it is uh tony in uh, in the uk if you can find those products over there in the uk but in here in america it's really rare for you to find it so they push these products heavily in africa yeah, they push it heavily in Africa. They push it heavily in India. They push it heavily in, um, well, in Asia. They push it because these are things that, uh, that's where their market is, period. Yeah, and I mean, the Caribbeans, they push it heavily in the Caribbeans as well. So, you, yeah, we, we know that they push um, the products in, um, in, in these regions, which is why during the live show, I called it like a, a colonial legacy. Uh, Tony has also pointed out that it's also the same white supremacy or supremacist legacy. Um, that, or, that white is better, that uh, dark is evil or dark is not, which brings us to what we even started this conversation with. So it's a conversation that we need to keep on uh, digging deeper and keep on engaging in and all of that. But if you experience colorism, how do you fight back? How do you say, okay, you're discriminating against me because I'm darker? Um, I'm just thinking, like on a mm. normal day, uh, if it plays out in a normal on a, in a normal setting, let's say you go somewhere and then you're discriminated against, how do you even know? Because with racism, it might be easier for you to pinpoint and say because I'm black or because I'm brown, but with colorism. Like uh, Mark said that he enjoyed those privileges, but it wasn't all up in his face. Sometimes, so, okay, go on. So, uh, you know, um, we talked again about how this is a child of, of, of racism. So it's, it's more, I think, the instances where people like um, experience colorism are in things like sort of, you know, what Yems mentioned earlier, like romantic associations um, or in, in much more, um, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd rather, you know, in, in much more things that are not sort of more institutionalized, like racism, where it, it's definitely a black or white person um, and, the black, and the black person is being subjugated and the white person is, is giving more, more advantages that are so clear. For example, police shooting black or white people. I'm not sure they will shoot somebody who's just a lighter skin tone than, than somebody else, you know. <laughs> so you don't really get sort of colorism in that context, but you get it in sort of in the more local, local conversations, in our more local um areas where in, in, in a group of five or in a group of 10, we just, we, people just have a certain views, certain views that give the lighter person maybe more advantage in that sort of local conversation, which is, is bastardly horrific. Um, and, um, and I think it's, it's a, you know, we say, I think, I think it's a, it's a mental thing that, that we need to, we need to think of. And I think it's being able to show whether, whatever color you are, there is, greatness within you and there's there's elegance and there's beauty within you and, and stamping that you know it's just the same way that we change sort of the world's view on afrobeats and what it means to 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 enjoy afrobeat music now and look at the rest of the world just enjoying that and, and coming to the continent and, and trying to visit the continent and trying to see what is what is special about these people and that's what we need to do in terms of our color as well rather than change you know what we what we um are to someone else. I think the skin is so deep that if somebody makes you change the color of your skin, um, I, I think it's fine to make little modifications to find your skin tone, to find you know creams that work for you, to find to make you look good. But <laughs> there's a line, there's an imaginary line 
where you're you're severely changing your the color of your skin, then I think you know there's a lot of reevaluation to be to to be done there. How many people are willing to give up their um, uh, opportunities for people who are considered less? That's another thing, uh, Michael, to add to what you said, you know, how do we deal with this? You know, another thing is how many people are willing to give up the opportunity? For example, we reported the news uh, previously on, uh, on uh, uh, Sproply, you know, Michael, remember the show that we, the, the news that we talked about, uh, Halle Berry was casted as a transgender in a film and she stepped back and said, no, let me give the opportunity to an actual transgender person to play this role because they can relate better. So if these light women or this, you know, people who are considered to be light and, you know, uh, perfect or standard, if your words, Michael, are given these opportunities, how many of them are willing to check these media executives? Sir, ma'am, can we consider this person, you see that? So I feel like it's just both ways as well. So when you have all of these light-skinned people grabbing all the opportunities in the world and all of that, <laughs> and not I'm checking not and also lending their voice. <laughs> Michael, I think Max is trying to drag you here. As one no, of the I'm light glad that he's also light-skinned. No. <laughs> I was also light-skinned as well too. I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, at least I, I know for myself, if, if I, sorry, if I see myself in that situation, I know I'll be willing to step back, you know. Well, it depends anyways. I, I'm not going to lie. Let's be serious now. I know that I'm willing to step back. <laughs> I mean, because I really Max, Max, it's, a li- it's a little difficult because the Halle Berry right. and transgender situation was clear-cut. White oh, okay, and black okay. is clear-cut. It's if clear-cut, you bring somebody right. who is short to play a dwarf, it's clear-cut. Like, but if I'm light-skinned and that person is dark-skinned and we go for an audition and I show up and then I act, the other person shows up and the person acts, whatever it is they do, what is to say that it's not my talent that made them choose me against a darker-skinned person? What is to say, I I know I do experience some privileges. I'm I'm sure that nobody here is oblivious to that. I mean, the light-skinned people here. Um, But... Definitely, there are a lot of things that gives you an advantage in this world. You are lighter skinned, you are looking, you, I mean, you're good looking, maybe uh, based on the standards of beauty, you're beautiful, right? So automatically, it's like you are more pleasant to the eyes based on the standards of beauty. So mm-hmm. I think Tony's approach, I, I mean, I like Tony's approach. The only way to really, really fight this is well, one of the ways to fight this is to continue talking about this, is to continue raising people's consciousness about how this exists so that people can, people can, people can work, work on their own biases because you tend to gravitate towards the familiar. If you have always been conditioned to like and to give preferential treatment to lighter people, you would always do that. But if you raise your consciousness about why this is a social issue, you would be able to make those distinctions as a casting director to say, am I really choosing this person because this person is the best person for the job or is it because this person is lighter than this person or more attractive than this person? So it's that moment of truth every single time when you're making those decisions that determines how we will now be systemically fighting this. And I'm saying systemically because it's not glaring in your eyes. Not glaring, no. (laughs) Covertly. Covertly fight this. 
the um, the way that I see it, uh, we can split it into two um, two categories. So there is a category that is being held by the first one is being held by the white power structures. Um, that could be schools, courts, businesses, because according to the stats, we know that you know lighter skinned people are favored in certain white um, um, white um, dominated societies. Lighter skinned uh, people are being favored. They get more jobs. We looked at the stats in terms of the career career wise in terms of uh, incarceration rates. So there is that aspect. Then there is colorism within the black community. So there are two levels. First is the one that is practiced by the white power structures. And then the second level is within the black community. Now, the ones practiced by the power, white um, power structures, those are the, the key guys that are controlling the media, the people that would make sure that the Beyonce would be preferred over Kelly Rowland, the people that would <laughs> the people that would make sure. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, they, they will all... I'm not going to go there. You guys, don't come for me. <laughs> okay, what, what, is your, what, is, what is your beef with <laughs> you? I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's obvious. I'm saying it's obvious. Because if, if we really want to digest it, if we really want to... <laughs> all of them, they came from the same band. They came mm. from the same band. They had the same right. level of exposure and trainings, uh, but when their solo, solo careers kicked off, naturally, whether we admit it to ourselves or not, whether we agree, like I asked Sonia, you know, why did you use the text? Why did you use the word light and dark? Why did you, sometimes we don't even realize our biases. We see something, based on what we are accustomed to, based on our upbringing and everything, we automatically like the thing. We automatically feel, for the longest time, everybody felt Beyonce was the most beautiful one, according to the beauty standards. But we are, we, we are using Destiny's Child <laughs> analogy here. The beauty standard was not just about uh, Beyonce's skin color. She has a great voice. Her body is banging. Those are it's come yes. On, come <laughs> on, come on. Okay, I'm not going to have this. There, That's what there, it is, though. There are a couple of things, Mike. First of all, wait. I'll, I'll come back to what you said, Yems, and I want to also bang on with you on that. But first, do you do you think I was being I was having a bias when I said dark and bright? No. Okay. Hey, this is not about you. Move on. Oh, no, no, no. I just wanted to check because you mentioned that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to check that because I thought you, you mentioned that earlier. Okay, let's go back to Beyonce. It's about Beyonce and it's about, you know. You, no, it's you not know. about Beyonce too. No, it has to be about Beyonce. We have to squash this obsession today. <laughs> no, because, because it gives an example of how the media preferred. There were three ladies like as a, when they all went on their solo careers. And when you say Beyonce has a better voice, that's not necessarily true. The sound- But they say she had a better voice. Yeah, Kelly also has a voice. She has a, an amazing voice and they sound alike a lot of times. I don't so you're think saying, so, I don't agree. You're uh, saying Beyonce's Michael, career- Michael, you're I saying, would say- Okay, go on, sorry, go ahead. You're saying Beyonce's <laughs> career got to the top because of the color of her skin? No, no. Okay, what I'm are you saying? saying? I'm saying that people prefer 
lighter skin, whether they know it or not. And someone like, look at the people that are like the top artists in America or in the world. How many really dark skinned people? Yeah, you, uh, you, you have a point, you know. Uh, for Beyonce, I, I feel like she, you know, she has the, the, her voices, you know, bigger and like she's more talented than the rest of the, you know, ladies. Um, uh, <laughs> of course, Michael, come on. Beyonce can go for hours singing and belting those notes and everything, dancing and all, all of that at the same time, you know. Um, anyways, uh, you're right, Michael. There's so many, uh, it's, it's, when it comes to, you know, Hollywood and everything, it's just that light skin, light skin, light skin, light skin, light skin, light skin, light skin. It's been like that for a very, very long time. Yeah. No dark skin person has been projected away. So let's end and chat about Beyonce. Yems just sent that message. <laughs> so I'm not disputing Sorry. or anything. I'm not saying yeah. that she isn't talented or that she doesn't deserve what she has. I'm just saying that unconsciously that lighter skin is preferred. And unconsciously, a lot of people, are you trying to tell me that she's the, with all that she's achieved, that she's the only one that could have achieved that there is no other person black a darker shade of person that could reach a standard or that could reach a level that is not it's a combination of things her marketing her management her, yes. her, 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 her body features yes. at the time when she was showing us her body you remember that we were still the standards of building were still the Paris Hilton, sorry, Paris Hilton type of, of um, standard. Nope. And it's during that period that um, the Kardashian, Kim Kardashian came up, we now started accepting more, you know, more volume, the hourglass mm -hmm. shape. Beyonce had that. She had the voice, she had the body, she had the face, and she also had good management behind her. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, yep, you see, Michael is right because even Kelly Rowland, with her mouth, said it. She outlined the challenges that she faced as a chocolate girl being in Destiny's Child. She said it. And we That's very understandable, but I wouldn't want anybody to take away from Beyonce's success. Nobody's taking it away from her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mike, you sound like well, you are taking away like from her. It sounds like you are taking away from her. Like you are taking away. Look, there are many things to because it's not about one or the other here. Yeah, it's not one or the I other. I don't think it's one or the other, and it shouldn't be either. We shouldn't make it one or the other. Um, there are many things to criticize about Beyonce. Where, um, and look, she's not a white woman, um, so you know she must have faced her own challenges, uh, and we need to sort of acknowledge that as well. There are many things to criticize about her. I will follow you on mic with the, the things I don't like. She, 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 she but, has, she has an but amazing in terms of team. She has a wonderful and, team, and, and, and you know her, her, her journey to success. Um, I'm sure she must have gone through some challenges and we need to be able to acknowledge that rather than take away from it because, oh, she was lighter skinned than Kelly Rowland. And that, that uh, could be possibly true. Two things could be equally true at the same time. But we need to either talk about what is true rather than take away from the other. Well, we're not taking away the facts. Beyonce had an amazing, incredible team. But let me tell you something, her growth, her stardom, whatever she's enjoying now, I would say the color of her skin is number one. It's, it's just it.
Well, there's so many uh, details. So again, many that's, that's another thing that we can debate. That's another thing that we can debate. I don't think I call the color. Yes. See, see, see. The amazing. See, no, no, no. See, we're not taking it away. The hard work, everything. No, no, wait, wait. All, all the, all the, all the, all the, all the hard work and everything is just like a tip of the iceberg, you know. And even Beyonce at some time, Michael, you know this. She became lighter than she normally, you yes. know, was. Yes, he's weather. Yes, <laughs> no, she became. She even became lighter than than what she was. It's just now that she's okay. Like if you watch a brown skin girl, the music video brown skin girl, when she was standing with Kelly Rowland, I feel like she turned up a little bit to join in that to blend into that Kelly's shade in that scene. All right. Oh, now it's becoming acceptable. Now it's okay. It's very convenient. And now she's, you know, blending into that shade of skin. If you watch Brown Skin Girl, the music video, watch her she was standing with Kenny Rodan, and Kenny Rodan was just, you know, like sitting on the floor with blue ivy. She actually turned up and blend, blending right in. There was a point that Beyonce actually, you know, lightened up and she, you know, it was really Did she like, bleach her skin? Well, I would say toned. Like, should we, yeah, me say our professor, toned <laughs> When you look at Beyonce, Beyonce appears very fragile and very, you know, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know what's going on here. You know, they just called me in here to shine. I'm just going to shine and walk away my I'm humility. very confused I'm about very what's confused. happening here. <laughs> I'm a damn cell. <laughs> a bit of distress, but not fully in distress. <laughs> But whoever it is that works behind Beyonce, I'm not sure if it's her directly. She has a good marketing strategy. She knows exactly who to tap, who to latch onto to expand her brand. And if she's doing that consistently, this is not something that started today. I don't, I don't agree that it's the color of Beyonce's skin that is number one that made her famous. I don't agree. I think that Beyonce has grit. I think that she knows how to play into the narrative of the media. Yeah. I think she knows how to place herself in a, in a very uh, solid position, like the damsel in distress who is still somewhat ghetto and still somewhat, you know, she also knows how to select the people she associates herself with that expands her brand exponentially. Yeah, Those yeah. are all things that can push you forward in life. The dark people, yes, but there are some people that are very black. Um, the, the, that model, what's her name? The one that shaved her, all of her head off. Yeah, um, yeah. She, yeah. She, you see how with Naomi Campbell a lot, yeah. Yeah, you see how now Naomi Campbell a lot. Sometimes I, I think that- I her name. I'm sorry? Azul, Azul something. I do not remember her name. Tell us her name, please. Oh, mighty, mighty. <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about but i'm just saying how come you do not remember her name uh, well, okay because that's fine you don't remember the name anyway i'm glad you brought up the, the the topic of modeling and the modeling industry and and look um i don't know if any of you you know i've probably done a bit of modeling in your time but the modeling industry is also one where you know you're dark-skinned your chances of making it are, are very low. The lighter skinned you are, your chances of making it are probably higher. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, until maybe, maybe recently or 
that you know, and, and I guess that's one of the things that that raised the profile of Tyra Banks and Naomi Campbell for so long. They were one mm-hmm. of the darker skinned, high pop, you know, high rated models, and we couldn't. Mm-hmm. There, there was not able anyone else to replicate that and be to get to that level. Um, and you have these two people who were there for so long, and they've been encouraging more. I think you know of, of sort of dark skinned women. Um, oh no, there is another story just, to that anyway. Continue. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there is. You know, I don't know. Right. Out, out of the industry, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm sure there's so much more. But on a general scale, it's, it's kind of that. But I'm sure there's also more to being a model than just your skin color. And I think this is where me and Yems are coming up for for the Beyonce argument. There's so much more to being a superstar than just your skin color. You, you know, you, you guys talked about it, Max and Mike. You have received advantages in different situations. You've received privileges in different situations um, because of your lighter skin color to where you are right now. But if I say, oh, Max and Mike, Max, you're sport play media and you're all of these things that, you, you know, when you introduce yourself, you're all of these things that you are today because number one of your light skin color. How would you, how would you accept that? You, you know, that would be like, what the love don't think that's fair. Okay. You have a point. Yeah. No, but for real, let's think about it. Maybe Michael. Michael, I mean, you are a Nigerian guy who is light-skinned, who does yoga, who has colored eyes. I'm sure that that is more... more <laughs> Yeah, let's think about it. It is oh, more yeah. pleasing. Yeah. Is having a field day. I but but for real, I get to say Nigerian guy. Imagine if you were black, like maybe who? Uh, what's talking about? Who was ex husband? Uh, Maggie, Maggie, Yeah, I don't know any other black. something. Yeah, so but your skin color, you know, all the extra things you do, tattoos, everything makes you, you know, I mean, appear more pleasing to the eye. Like, oh, look at this light skinned brother, you know, showing us all of his <laughs> uh, baby poses or whatever. But, <laughs> but <laughs> plant daddy, oh, you think you can do plant daddy because of your skin? You know, <laughs> why do you think you're plant daddy? <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I agree. Everything that I got is because of my skin, that because I'm light skin. I agree. Sarcasm <laughs> doesn't even fit you at all. <laughs> I agree. But the point is, the point that I was trying to make, guys, you right, guys took it out right. of context. These fucking beehives on this show. You took it out of context. I'm not discrediting <laughs> <laughs> fucking beehives. Talent. I'm not discrediting mm-hmm. any of those things. But at the same time, I want us to take a moment and acknowledge that the skin tone played a major factor as a well. Major role. A, a major, major role. Factor. A major role. And this is not because it's just Beyonce. Alicia Keys, the entire thing with India Ri, they were nominated at the same time, but Alicia Keys is more famous today than India Ri. So India Ari was lighter. India Ari could have, you know, been, you know, exactly. I think That's we can. I think I think we can agree that it played a role, whether it was major or minor, whatever role it played. Yeah, it uh, we don't know the level of role it played. No, Maybe it played a role, but we don't oh, know exactly. God. And, and I think I'm, I'm happy to when, when, when you when you watch when you watch the interview with these people and when you see the, the where the things uh, when you see the things that they say, you will know definitely that these people went through challenges like this. So colorism in the industry, you know, why do you think a light woman or whatever will start out in the industry? Maybe as a singer, as a dancer, or as a talk show host, 
as time goes on, the person would even tone more. You understand? The person would even like, you know, tone the skin up more, even more, you understand? Probably to increase and get more audience and stuff like that. It, it's a huge thing in Hollywood, guys, trust, trust me. Hey, Michael know, knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> no, we know they we, we know they knock our hustle. Beyonce in our hustler, like she, like in fact, and then she now even made the whole thing worse by marrying a times ten hustler. You understand? You think that that them, was not strategic. Yeah, of course. She's she's oh, she really works really hard. Like so I give it to her. Beyonce, God, I regret we did this off. Can we move on? <laughs> Can we move on? She's amazing. She's the best entertainer in the world. Uh, she's, you know, she's great at what she does, and she's pretty she's remarkable. Awesome. Yeah. She's awesome. Um, mm-hmm. But a skin tone definitely did play a role, a role according to Victoria. So I think we can <laughs> round up the show. What are your last words on colorism? Where do we? How do we continue this conversation? Um, what do we need to do? What are the things that we need to? tell our kids, what are the things we need to tell younger people? Last words, guys. For me, I feel like, like you said, I think that uh, it's a good thing for us to look at uh, statistics and use those statistics as a as a basis for educating ourselves, uh, you know, because statistics shows you the reality of a situation. Um, I think we need to have this conversation in uh, our in our spaces. I think we also need to check our own unconscious biases as well, like Mike was saying as well, um, you know, with your intentions, like what are you attracted to? And by doing this, you know, the more people that continue to educate themselves will further to will further realize why this is a problem and then further realize why they need to do something bad. I mean something um about it immediately. Max? Um, uh, black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. No matter the shades that you come hey. in, black is beautiful. Black is <laughs> <laughs> your light skin, you're black. Your chocolate, you're black. Whatever it is, you're black. And where you live in, you know, in the West, in a Western world like this, where, where we're dealing with you know, systematic racism and police brutality. The police is not checking your colorism or the type of shade or whatever. No matter how, no matter the shade you come in, you're black. That's it. You're just not white completely. So why did I say that? I'm saying that because, you know, um, uh, we are one and uh, I, I, I want to encourage, you know, filmmakers, our Nollywood people. Nollywood is number one in Africa. Nollywood is being appreciated and watched in the Caribbeans in the West, hence the reason why Netflix tapped into that market. If you go to Netflix right now, Nollywood has its own category of movies and they are really expanding and adding more content to it. So let's start from there. Our music artists, you know, the top ones, you know, please cast amazing, beautiful, dark-skinned women and start, you know, helping our young girls and our women, you know, have more confidence in themselves. And everything. Let's just, you know, however we can do to help this matter, especially in media and film and TV, music, you know, the pro- people producing the toys, people writing books for children and everything. Please let's all be more inclusive and be on the same uh, space to combat colorism. <laughs> Thank you, Marks. Tonya? 
I think it's all been said by Yams and Marx. Um, you know, another name for colorism is shadism and the shade of our skin for us to discriminate against each other because of the shade of our skin. I mean, I mean, shadism already just sort of tells you anyway, you know, it, it erupts the sort of feeling um, within, within you. Um, and the social implications that come with that, um, uh, for me, the social implications are just, you know, what do people associate with being successful? What does success look like? Um, and the idea of success has always been something closer to um, a different skin color than, than our natural skin color. And we need to change that narrative um, by doing it individually in our own, own personal circles that I can be successful regardless of what skin color I, like, color I am and doing it collectively as a country, as a community, as a continent, Africa can be successful regardless of what skin color we are. And that just changes the narrative again, as we said, um, it's, it's words and it's those the meanings and, and things that are associated to those words. And if we change the narrative that, you know, Africa as a continent, guys, of what skin color we are, can be successful, then we probably will see less issues of this colorism. Thank you, Tonya. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, guys. Um, <clears throat> well, you have it, people. Our representation matters in the media, in, um, in our spaces. Let's keep um, talking about these things. Let's keep bringing these things to the forefront. Let's keep tackling all these various isms that we've been talking about. Our very first episode was on fascism. Uh, now we're talking about colorism and we have another ism that we're going to tackle very soon. So let's keep talking about this thing. Let's keep talking about it in our spaces. Let's keep, um, you know, checking our own biases. Why are we making the choices that we are making? Why are we thinking the way that we are thinking? Let's keep checking our own biases as well. So thank you everyone for joining. Uh, Marge, you've been amazing. Thank you for gracing us with your presence for the beginning part of the live show and now the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you, Toye. Thank you, EMC. We will see you guys very soon. Our details, our social media handles and everything are on the show notes of this episode and we will be back soon. And remember, you can catch us live on Untangled Live this coming Sunday by here. Much love Ciao, ciao.